You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello again, friends. Welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets for the official podcast account. As always, if you like what you're hearing and want to stay tuned to the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is always free and ensures you never miss another beat. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Speaking of this episode, on tonight's show, I thought I'd take a little bit of a break from just covering the regular Jets recaps and updates and talk a little bit more generally about the state of the team and some stuff around each of the different core elements of the Jets, from the forwards to the goaltending to the defense and a lot of the management situations that have developed. This will be something like a progress report. I won't be assigning like letter grades or anything, but I'll give some general thoughts about what I think is working well, what needs to be changed and could be improved, and what ultimately the Jets should maybe consider doing at the trade deadline or before then. Let's start off with the easy stuff though and talk about the goaltending because this is probably one of the few areas where the Jets really don't have to do anything. You know, the the Jets goaltending has always been a strength over the past couple of seasons. We've seen some really great performances from Connor Hellebuck and even if he has occasional dips here and there, overall the, the broad sample of his career so far has been pretty darn good. Certainly good enough to earn a Vezina Trophy, another Vezina finalist uh, nomination, and then this year I would expect him to actually be another Vezina finalist. Even if Hellebuck does not win, which I think there are a couple of candidates I might be taking a look at that maybe deserve a mention over Hellebuck this year, I still feel like he's got a very good body of work. This year he's been tested again like he was last season, and for the most part his numbers have been fabulous, especially considering the quality of roster that's playing in front of him. It's it's still very helter-skelter, very loose, and overall I feel like Hellebuck has navigated these turbulent waters pretty well. Aside from like a, a rustier and slower start in his first couple of games, for the most part, Hellebuck has done all he can to keep this team within striking distance every game. When he's surrendering four to five goals, it's usually because the team itself is really struggling and has had a, a you know a bit of a piss poor performance. But for the most part, you really can't blame Helly for most of the goals against. Every now and then, maybe you'd hope he'd make one extra save to just keep the Jets as close as possible. But you know, oftentimes I think Hellebuck has been the reason that the Jets have been able to pull out some serious results out of these games. You know, the Jets. When you watch this team, they don't really dominate or control play. I talked about it a little bit on the Hotkey podcast with a couple of folks, Sean and Kevin. Uh, and you can find their podcast at podcast underscore hockey. And they basically do a lot of different daily discussions and whatnot. And, you know, of course, the Jets came up. And I think one of the biggest questions was, is this team winning sustainably? And for me, you know, the Jets don't really win in the kind of way that I'm looking for. They've really been leaning on Hellebuck throughout the past couple of seasons. And it's evident that the Jets just don't really have a game plan beyond, you know, hope that you can win off counters and rushes and then leave the rest to Connor. 
As much as I love Hellebuck, I feel like that's just not really a recipe for success, partially because you actually have to outplay your opponents to have a decent chance of winning. Hockey is super random, and sometimes if you have a really hot goalie, you can maybe make it through a season or something like that, but when it comes to the playoff time, you don't often find teams that are basically entirely reliant on their goaltending are, are advancing all that far, and certainly not to the Stanley Cup Finals. Teams that make it to the Finals usually deserve to be there, and relying on Hellebuck to basically bail you out every other night is probably not the way to win a Cup Final. Aside from Hellebuck, Laurent Brassois has been pretty capable. Um, some of the games that Brassois has started I, I felt weren't so great. One of his more recent starts a couple of nights ago, I think it was against Toronto, was a little bit shaky. Uh, he had a couple of goals against where he just really wasn't tracking the puck at all. Actually, it may have been against Montreal. I forget if it was Toronto or the Habs, but basically, you know, whichever team it was, they really didn't generate all that many scoring chances. And Bressois was just having trouble tracking some of the pucks, and it, it very nearly cost the Jets. I think they conceded a pretty pretty nasty set of goals, one through like the five hole or something, and another that sort of leaked through the side post, I think near post they maybe went in, and it just sort of squeaked between his right pad and the post, and I, I wasn't really a fan of that. Otherwise, though, Bressois has been pretty pretty capable. I'll say that, generally speaking, his reflexive reads and stuff have been pretty good. He can definitely use his physicality and size to, to sweep across the net. And in one-on-ones with some shooters, he's been pretty decent. Overall, though, I feel like when it comes to which goaltender I trust more, it's obviously Hellebuck. Uh, I think the question yesterday was asked about which goaltender I think is the best in the North. And I, I definitely still say Hellebuck. I think he's had one of the biggest workloads out there, but I also do think that Thatcher Demko should at least get a runner-up nomination. I kind of joked about, you know, finding the best goalie on a really bad team that's, you know, surrendering tons of high-danger chances and stuff, but really, if a goalie is surviving a lot of those chances and actually doing pretty well, even league average or above, that may suggest that this goalie is actually just balling out and the rest of the team is kind of masking that. The Canucks are certainly no stranger to that because last year they had Jacob Markstrom as their lead starter and that guy basically carried them throughout most of the season. Hellebuck is definitely doing that this year for the Jets like he's been doing for the past couple of seasons. Bressois has been nice to spell Hellebuck when he needs a rest. I feel like Helly is, is doing enough to play for most of the season. Bressois probably won't have to play more than like 10 games. Helly seems very dialed in for the most part and I've been very impressed with his season. I know it's been tough on him because the Jets defense just... Yeah, not not a great performance from them so far. Speaking of the Jets defenders, up next we'll take a look at what's been going well for the blue line and, and what definitely needs a lot of work, because let's be honest, the Jets defense is kind of a tire fire right now. Speaking of things that involve tires, I did want to tell you a little bit about why rockauto.com should be your one-stop shop for all your online auto part buying needs. When it comes to buying auto parts, I'd wager a lot of people don't really know what they're doing. You know, I'm, I'm certainly no expert at it myself, and it often is very difficult to know if you're getting the best deals, or you might not even know what parts you need. If you want to save time and money, then head on over to rockauto.com today. rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their intuitive, easy-to-use website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set price range filters so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a brand new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com's diverse selection is sure to have what you need in stock. There are zero membership fees, and everyone always pays the same prices no matter their industry or experience level. Best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick and mortar in-store pricing, so why shop anywhere else? Go to rockauto.com, and when you place your order, be sure to write locked on the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com right now. 
Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at uh, the Jets, you know, forwards, goalies, defense, whatever you want to call it, all of the different parts of this team and sort of evaluating where the squad is right now, how it's doing, is it capable of advancing through the postseason, or do they need to make some trade deadline acquisitions? We've already covered the really easy part, which was the goaltending. I'm sure, as you know, spoiler alert, we said that it was pretty safe, pretty stable, not much to worry about there. But the rest of the roster is a little bit more questionable. Before we dive into, say, the defense, I thought you should know about why Locked On Bets needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Betting on the Winnipeg Jets doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your favorite shows. And now onto the ever-fun topic of Winnipeg's defense, which this year is uh, a bit of a mess, right? I think we all know that the Jets defenders, for the most part, have a very thin rotation. You look at the guys that have uh, essentially come in and out of the lineup or have been moved around, and you can tell that the Jets defense is definitely ailing quite a bit. I think the key problem with this unit is that there's no clear number one D, and the player that was designated to be this guy actually isn't. He might not even be like a a second-pairing defender right now, and that's Josh Morrissey. I think a lot of the struggles this year, especially on the defensive side of things, have come from not really having that lead defender that you can rely on. And certainly Josh Morrissey, since signing his contract and also Jacob Trouba's departure, he just hasn't looked anywhere near the kind of player that we thought he was. When he was extending, we were kind of hoping that his his performance levels, which were you know, not quite great uh, and certainly not up to expectations were more of like a brief stumble along the way. But as the season continues to go on and Josh isn't really improving, in fact, it seems like at times he's getting worse, I'm starting to wonder what exactly, you know, Morrissey's real ceiling is. If we already saw the best of him several seasons ago, and this is more of like what we should actually expect going forward, then the Jets are in real trouble. Morrissey's not really even cutting it as like a third pairing guy. You know, his his numbers and on-ice impact are, are so poor that I do have to wonder what exactly his future for the Jets holds. One of the things that's definitely noticeable is that he's not very mobile. He doesn't really seem to skate as effortlessly as he used to, and certainly he doesn't physically engage. He tends to lose physical battles. He's not really engaged as much. His reads are often very slow and delayed, and it just doesn't seem like he has really high defensive IQ, which is a very sharp contrast from a couple of seasons ago. When it came to playing with somebody like Truba, it definitely felt like Morrissey was very active, understood where he needed to be, he could be offensively aggressive in space, and was very much detail-oriented. It felt like defensively, his reads were perfectly timed, he was very good at getting the interior body positioning, and he definitely wasn't afraid to throw a check. Nowadays, he's just totally different. I joked about this a little bit on Twitter, but to be honest, it's probably not as much of a joke as I'd like it to be. You know, I've I've said that Morrissey is is a little bit too close to Nate Bolu. He might not be that much better, to be honest, because in a lot of ways, Morrissey does many of the same things that Bolu does every evening. There are really bad decisions with the puck. There are bad decisions in gapping. Sometimes Morrissey doesn't even track back and chase down his man. Oftentimes, he's not even marking the lanes that he needs to. And then when he's got the puck, he makes really bad passes or very sloppy turnovers under the slightest bit of pressure. And it's just, it's baffling to see Morrissey this bad. I thought that he could be maybe taking a step back, but this is like on a totally different level. Morrissey's basically just fallen apart. And I think there's a very real question about, you know, whether or not he actually plays his contract out here. He signed for another seven and a half seasons. And like, I'm watching him and I'm thinking, I think the Jets need to dump his contract as soon as possible. If it were like four to five seasons, I could see the Jets trying to live through it and see if, if, if in fact this is just a bit of a blipper or if it's a longer term trend. But if you're dealing with an almost eight year contract, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if the Jets can really stomach that. I mean, Morrissey has just been very poor and I don't, I don't really know 
I can't really say that I know why it is. I think a lot of people haven't really been paying attention as much, and there are some, you know, Winnipeg Jets fans who are trying to figure it out and certainly have some theories, but there's no real consensus on what's wrong. Maybe this is what Morrissey always was, and the, the days with Truba were more of an illusion, but I'm not really inclined to believe that. Either he's physically injured somehow and we're not really getting anything out of him because he's not able to recover, or maybe he has some other side issues going on because he's just not the same guy, he doesn't seem very happy, and on half of his shifts, at least, he always looks very lost. So I'm not really sure what to do with Morrissey. I feel like if if you can find somebody who can take his contract on, you might need to start thinking about that. And like, I know that when I brought it up in one of my fantasy hockey group chats, I thought, you know, if, if he's available to Seattle in the expansion draft, I don't think Seattle takes him. I think it, it garnered a lot of controversy because it is, you know, a, a young guy who's probably thought to be a top pairing lefty in the world of hockey. But I think with how smart that the Seattle staff is, they'll look for guys like Mason Appleton or Adam Lowry or Andrew Kopp, players who have really positive impacts on the ice. And like, even by eye test, Morrissey is failing everything. You know, he has a couple of moments where you can tell he's been you know, intelligently aggressive at the blue line, has a couple of decent shots or passes, but the rest of his game is so bad, I feel like it's obvious to anyone who watches that if the Jets do expose him, it's because he really is falling apart. His contract is signed for a very long time, and I don't really know if Seattle would, you know, want to claim that for their team. I look at his performance on the ice and the fact that it's not really improving. It's only continued to decline, and I just don't really see anyone taking that on. The only reason Seattle would do it is if they thought they could do like a flip of some sort, which... You know, I don't really know if Morrissey has that much value right now. Ideally, the Jets need to find a trade partner for Morrissey before things get too much worse. I I feel like even if he goes somewhere and actually does pretty well, you know, Winnipeg can't really afford to wait to find out if he can do that for the Jets. He's got like an NMC or an NTCs coming up pretty soon in the next season or so, and I feel like the Jets, they gotta make a decision. I don't think they actually do trade him or expose him. I'm sure they'll protect him because, you know, he's wearing an A for the team and I'm sure, like, organizationally speaking, the Jets don't want to lose him. But in terms of on-ice performance, you know, Neil Pionk is kind of blowing him out of the water. And Pionk was basically an afterthought in the Truba trade, right? So if Pionk, a guy who has, you know, a very bad track record with the Rangers, came into Winnipeg over the past couple of seasons, has massively improved his game, and still maybe tops out as like a number three or a number four D on a real contender... Morrissey not touching that is kind of a huge problem. I'd rather have, you know, a guy like Neil Pionk with a little bit more risk on the same contract that Morrissey has right now than what Josh is giving us on his current deal. I just don't know what to do with Morrissey, and I feel like the team doesn't really know what to do either. They're kind of stuck, and and until they figure out what the best course of action is here, they're going to be, you know, dealing with a pretty big contract, and a player that the coaching staff is is putting out there for like 20-plus minutes a night when it's clear he's probably not capable of more than like 14 or 15. All that said, Josh is probably one of the, the biggest question marks and biggest problems for this team. In just a moment, we'll probably have a little bit more positive news that's still not ideal, but certainly better as far as the four are concerned. But before we get too deep into that, I thought you should know a little bit about why BetOnline.ag is your best choice for all your online betting needs. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, it's hard to find a, a really reliable, trustworthy source. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other sports are all in full swing. Not a sports fan? No problem. BetOnline has you covered. 
with coverage on awards, TV shows, and reality TV, with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who's getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next, BetOnline also has the latest news, scores, and odds you need to always make the most informed bets possible. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. Go to BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up, and when you register for a free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON at registration for a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up and make your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I've preached the greatness of Built Bar. If you've never had a Built Bar, it's the only protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's coated in 100% chocolate, has a great variety of amazing flavors, and it's always low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. But for all the great Built Bar flavors that are out there, there can only be one goat. And now it's your time to choose which flavor reigns supreme. Introducing Built Bar Madness, the best tasting bracket challenge around. Today's matchup, which you can find at BuiltBar.com slash pages slash brackets, is Caramel Brownie versus Double Chocolate. I have to throw my weight behind Caramel Brownie. I feel like Double Chocolate's very good, but Caramel Brownie always gets me. Whether you're for Caramel Brownie or for Double Chocolate, cast your vote at BuiltBar.com slash pages slash brackets right now. And check back every day to see which winners emerge into the next round of the bracket. While you're there, grab some Built Bars on the go and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON15 to receive a 15% welcome bonus when you check out. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are wrapping up tonight's episode talking about a couple of things, you know, uh, basically a progress report on the Winnipeg Jets. We've talked about the defenders and the goalies. And now it's time to talk about the forwards because I feel like a lot of what happens with the attackers actually relies on stuff from the defense that the Jets right now aren't really giving. So let's start with the best players. We obviously know that Nikolai Ehlers is probably this team's MVP aside from Connor Hellebuck. He's been an absolute monster in scoring, in transition, in playmaking, Whatever it is you want to say about Nikolai Ehlers, he probably does. That he also happens to draw a lot of penalties is also very helpful. Certainly it gives Winnipeg's very vaunted power play a lot of time, and, and I think Ehlers just... With the, the kind of skill sets that he has, aside from the diving occasionally, he still just naturally draws a lot of penalties. There's no question that he has been one of the most important parts of this entire team, you know, offensively speaking, and certainly in getting, you know, this this team to really skate up the ice and actually create attacking opportunities, because aside from Ehlers, there aren't that many guys who create transition opportunities, and the Jets defenders don't really attack with the forwards. So oftentimes you have guys like Ehlers having to do it by themselves, basically, until we brought in guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois, and some of these other more transition-focused players. When it comes to, you know, the lack of defensive support, I think it's a really big issue, especially inside the offensive zone. We've talked about it on previous episodes where, like, the Jets' D just don't activate inside the zone. They never really leave the blue line, and oftentimes they just sort of opt for, like, a really simple point shot or something, trying to deflect it. If that happens, I always feel like the Jets just end up getting outnumbered, especially down low in front of the goaltender. Winnipeg's forwards outside of like the the second line don't really have a lot of top end speed, which is kind of crazy to say because I feel like Winnipeg was often thought of as very fast and very skilled. There's definitely still a lot of skill there, but as far as like really high end speed is concerned, there aren't that many really speedy skaters left. Ehlers and Connor are certainly up there. You know, Dubois has a pretty solid engine. Uh, Mason Appleton is decently fast. But what you start to realize is once the Jets even gain offensive zone possession, what often happens is like the forwards are just down there outmanned constantly, outnumbered, and they really don't have any outlets or options. Winnipeg's defenders have largely been very static, and I feel like that's killing the Jets' attackers. So, you know, what Winnipeg does at even strength tends to not be all that impressive. The most activation that we even see is either late in games when the Jets are trailing and Winnipeg finally cuts loose the defenders, or, you know, when you've got like Neil Pionk leading a rush or something. 
with how much, you know, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, and Paul Stastny have struggled a bit to find the back of the net, I feel like this is just a critical miss on this team. Like, the forwards are trying their best, but they don't really have a lot of foot speed, and then if that's the case, then don't leave them exposed. Get them a lot more support down low. Create a genuine cycle game so the forwards can actually find themselves in softer spaces and score. You know, Mark Shifley right now hasn't really been doing a whole lot, in part because he's constantly marked out, and even when he does have shooting opportunities, more often than not he's trying to be perfect and efficient and pass it off for an easy tap-in. A lot of times that actually passes up goal-scoring opportunities, and maybe if he trusted the blue liners to support him more, he'd actually take the shot himself. So I'm just very frustrated with the way that the Jets have tried to rely on the attackers to do all the heavy lifting inside the offensive zone. Other NHL teams don't really do this. They actually give their attackers real support from the blue line, and I feel like right now it's just crippling Winnipeg's offensive potential, which, to be honest, is still pretty darn good. You know, despite the loss of Patrick Laine, this team can really hurt you, especially on counters. I think a lot of this is why when it comes to the trade deadline, I'm not super thrilled about the prospect of Winnipeg acquiring anyone because unless they let Matias Ekholm do his thing, which I think they could because he's definitely somebody that Maurice would trust. If they don't, though, if they let him kind of be a more typical defensive presence rather than somebody who aggressively activates, I don't really know if I want the Jets to acquire somebody. The Jets need puck movers and guys who are really dominant, especially inside the offensive zone. When Maurice actually trusts his skaters, he'll let them do that kind of stuff, especially activating down below the face-off circles. Like, let your D create a cycle game. Even the worst teams in the NHL regularly do this, so I don't understand why the Jets are so afraid to do it. I get that your defense doesn't really track back effectively, and guys like Kyle Connor don't offer much defensive support either. That being the case, you know, don't worry so much about defending. Let Connor Hellebuck and Laurent Brassois handle that sort of stuff. You know, try and at least shut down some passing lanes and things, but, you know, if you give up chances off the rush, it is what it is. Create more inside the offensive zone and outscore your opponents. The Jets have so many tools that they don't really use, and I feel like it's limiting just how far this team can go. I know I'm not alone in this sentiment, but I'm curious to know what everyone else thinks, so if you have thoughts about how the Jets play, be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. If you have some really good insights, maybe I'll share them on our next episode and discuss them at length. For now, though, that will wrap up tonight's episode. We'll be back either tomorrow night or on Sunday, because tomorrow night's game is like another 9pm start, and who knows if I'll have the episode done before then. But before you log off, be sure to check out Locked on NHL. Every Friday on Locked On NHL, join Joe DiBiase of Locked On Sabres and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers as they round up the biggest stories of the week in the NHL and get you prepared for the league's busy weekend slate of games. From breaking down the latest blockbuster trade to sizing up the rivalry matchups on Saturday night, Joe and Tom have every angle of the league covered to close their week. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!